Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody? How many parents are ready for school to be over with this week? Yes. One parent. That's kind of like us. It's like, we're happy to have them home, but we're really happy to drop them off at school. You know what I'm saying? Now, we're excited. Summertime is here, and uh, we've got some great things planned over the summer. So make sure you're downloading the app. Make sure you're staying connected with us uh, because we've got some amazing things. We've got some small groups, some community groups going to be launching that I know you're going to love. Uh, I told Wendy this past week, and I was talking to uh, Brother Joe earlier, that I'm considering doing a, uh, a small group over the, um, uh, over the summer. It's an eight-week semester uh, just on conspiracy theories. How many of y'all would come to a small group like that? Because they're not conspiracies if they're true, right? So be watching for that. I may launch that. I don't know. We'll see. We'd have to have a big, big space to, to host that group. But uh, I say that uh, probably about 80% sure that I'm going to do that. So pray with me. That'll be a fun group. It's basically just get people together and eat cheeseburgers. Let's be honest. That's what it's about. Today, I'm going to be uh, continuing the series called Letters. We are going through the scripture and we are studying the Pauline letters, which that's just a fancy way of saying the letters that Paul wrote. Uh, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians today. But just before we jump into that, I want to speak to the women of the church. How many of you are excited that Hope Sisters is beginning? Yes. How many of you don't know what Hope Sisters is? Hope Sisters is our newly launched women's ministry here at Hope City. When we launched Hope City, we didn't know when certain things would launch because it takes certain amounts of time and strategy and vision casting to get different ministries going. Our women's ministry is going to have their first meeting June 2nd, right here at 6.30, and we promise to get you out of here by 8.30. Uh, well, the service will be over at 8.30. We know women, you may stay here till midnight, but uh, it starts at 6.30 to 8.30, June 2nd, right here. Don't miss that. Hope Sisters is kicking off. We're excited to have our women's ministry started. Uh, men, you'll just have to wait. Uh, we're working on something very special for you, uh, but that will come at a later date, hopefully in the fall when it cools off. Everybody said amen. Today, I'm going to talk to you uh, just for a few minutes uh, out of the book of 1 Corinthians, and, and it's kind of unique in its nature uh, in that it deals with problems in the church. Last week, we talked about Romans, which Romans had problems, uh, but they were more societal, whole society problems, uh, and they were, they were kind of approaches like the whole people. Today, I just want to attack us. I just want to correct us. I just want to stomp on our toes for a little while. Have you ever had just a family discussion? a family meeting where, hey, we got to tune some things up around here. That's in essence what Paul is doing uh, in 1 Corinthians. So I've entitled my sermon, Family Problems. Anybody here have had a family problem? Oh, six of you. Yeah, right. Get over yourselves. Let me ask that again. Has anybody here had family problems? I mean, l listen, listen, you didn't have to say amen to that, but you know, you can just raise your hand quietly. Here's the thing. You might be sitting next to your family problem, right? Uh-huh, but some of y'all, don't look left or right. Just keep focused on me. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, I, I, I say that family problems, family drama is real drama, isn't it? Family problems are real problems. And uh, Paul, when he's addressing the church in Corinth, uh, he's basically laying the, uh, 
uh, a righteous smackdown on the church saying, there's some things that are in you that are also in the world and we've got to fix these things. We've got to fix these things. Um, I find uh, that there are people out there uh, who are trying so hard to be of the world and yet maintain the title Christian. Mm. Uh, too early in the sermon? Let's start a little easier than that. Should I go all in? Should I just go? All right, okay. All right, let's say this TV is the world and this is as close to God as you can be before heaven. We got most people in the church chilling from like here to here. And we're saying it's at the sake of relevance we got to hang out in this area here. The problem is, is when you get about here, it's a slippery slope all the way to over there. And you're playing with sin. You're playing with commonality. You're playing with things that the devil wants you to think are harmless. And baby, every hook's got a barb in it. And you don't realize that eventually what's going to happen is you're going to get a little too close and you're going to slip and you will no longer be even relationally close to what a believer should look like. But why is it that we play so close to the world when we have the opportunity to get so close to him? Whatever happened to the value of holiness? One clap. Y'all got to... Boy, y'all gonna wait a long time on spaghetti today. I'm telling you. The louder you shout, the faster I preach, and it ain't looking good. I'm just telling you. Boy, y'all in trouble. Let me give you some facts on 1 Corinthians real quick. Some facts on 1 Corinthians. Paul lived in Corinth. He spent about 18 months in Corinth. And if you want to see the details, uh, check this out. You'll see some of those details in Acts chapter 18. It was a major port city. Uh, why is that important? Uh, the, 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 the relevance to that is when you had a port city, you had people from all different walks of life bringing their wares through shipyards into this area. Well, along with that, you had to meet the appetites of these people, which means religion, it means food, it means language, it means dialect and culture. Corinth was a major cultural center of its day. Uh, lots of idolatry and other religions. It was littered with temples and other religions. Um, if you ever get on YouTube, you can look up the Corinth, uh, the city of Corinth, the old city of Corinth, and you can still see a lot of those temples are still standing today. It's very interesting uh, to see how, how long those things are still going. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians is basically divided into five parts, and we're going to break those five parts down just for a few minutes this morning. Uh, the first part is division in the church, promiscuity, problematic freedoms, uh, confusion about the resurrection, problematic gatherings. There's just there's a lot of problems in the church of Corinth, and Paul is about to lay down a righteous beat down on these rascals. Um, it was written in the 54th year, uh, and it deals with a lot of the things that the church deals with today. And so uh, without uh, hesitation, let's pray and then let's get into the Scripture. Father, uh, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would do two things this morning. Open our ears and close my mouth. Don't let it be me that speaks. Holy Spirit, take over. Speak to us from your word today, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Point number one, I want to jump right in. The, the, the biggest problem uh, in Corinth was division. Division. We don't know anything about division in our world today in church, do we? Oh, y'all see it too? 
you'd have to be blind and crazy not to see it. Right? It's called denomination. It's called, uh, I have people come here all the time, and y'all actually play instruments for worship? Yeah, we have instruments. I, I don't bother, it doesn't bother me that you don't. Here's the truth. If we can just get past our preferences. Now let's, let's, can we just talk, just us this morning? We have allowed preferences to separate us. And that separation has prevented God's ultimate will on earth. Because if we would get past our preferences, well, you like slow songs, I like soft songs and slow songs and loud songs. And I like it like this. I like it like that. I like to kneel down when I pray. I like to stand up when I pray. I like to do this. I like to do that. Listen, that's all preference. But we still serve one true living God. And if we can get past those preferences and learn to work together, can I tell you, can I just introduce a friend? Uh, this is Pastor Joe Bennett from the Church of the Nazarene, him and his wife, Suzanne. Would y'all just wave at everybody? Can we honor them this morning? This is a, you know, you have pastors and you have kingdom friends. This is a kingdom brother and sister here. Uh, it's not about the title of our churches. It's not about the logo on the buildings. It's about the people we can affect, right? And so part of the division is when pastors quit seeing the pride on what we can do by ourselves and start seeing the privilege of what we can do together. Well, can you imagine how the city would change? If you needed something and I had it and I didn't even question it, it was just yours because we were brothers? Yeah. Holy smokes. Can you imagine what, Joe, can you imagine how fast the city of Crestview would flip on its head? Come on. I rebuke the spirit of division in our city in Jesus' name. We've got to walk in unity. I got to get off this point. I got a lot of points I got to hit today. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 once says, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. I've got to love you more than I see a difference in you. I said, I, I, got, I better love you more than I notice our differences. Or else the church is just spinning our wheels. You got one or two grabbing a little bit of traction here and there. But boy, if we all came up together and said, forget the logos, we'll get past the preferences, and let's just take the city. Boy, you talking about, this kind of talks what scares the devil. It's what scares the devil. Number two, I, I got to keep going, I got to keep going. Number two, there's a problem of promiscuity. We don't have no trouble with that in church. Oh, y'all got quiet. That's because y'all struggle. Huh? Nobody struggles with pornography in the church. Huh? Nobody struggles with lust in the house. So, Pastor Josh, you're just going in today. Yeah, I am because I love you. If a house is on fire, my kids are in it, I'm going to be in it. So don't be shocked when you come here and a pastor jumps in the middle of your mess. I will not let you burn alone. Promiscuity was going rampant. Let me tell you, it's like the reading of Arkansas and Alabama. It ain't cousins. It's mamas and sons and stepdaddies and daughters. And it's some crazy stuff going on in Corinth. The freak flags was flying in Corinth. You hear me? 
going off, off the chain. Freaks. And Paul says, what has happened? This has infiltrated the church. You have the opportunity to be Christ-like and you are all the way over here when the world is looking at you like, what on earth are you doing? Can I tell you, the church is watching you. But so is the world. The world's watching saying, I don't see no difference in them. Why would I get up early on Sundays? Why on earth would I give my tie to something that don't change nothing? The Holy Spirit has empowered us to not just be a collection of urges. You and I have the freedom, and it is a wonderful freedom to walk in the fullness of what God has called us to and to step away from the urges of the flesh and to be led by the calling of the Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And then it says a wonderful thing. It says, who is in you? It's not just enough. It's not just enough that you are literally a possession of God. But you are in, infiltrated by his presence. Your flesh has been invaded by the Holy Therefore, you have no excuses. If he was just around you, you'd say, well, my flesh is still out of control. Well, no, with the Holy Spirit in you, that means even in your flesh, you have the authority not to yield to your urges. See, I believe the Holy Spirit is so strong that you might have walked in here today with some addictions, but you can leave them here when you leave. promiscuity in the church. It's not that complicated. If the Bible says that we believe it. The Bible says that we believe it. Sex between one man, one woman, they're called marriage. Anything outside of that is not God's best for your life. It's not rocket science. Right? And this is what I don't understand. Everybody always says, God don't want you to have a good time. Yeah, keep going on that lifestyle. See how good of a time you're going to have. Sin is pleasurable before a season, but the end thereof. Point number three, problematic freedoms. Lord, help me teach this so where they'll get it. Holy Spirit, just give us understanding. What happens when my liberty becomes your bondage. Joe, Joe, Joe. I'm going to tag Joe and let him teach this. This is scary. What happens when my freedom becomes your chains? Where do we Go as a body of believers. When the Bible don't speak about it, but you have a conviction. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
So here's, let me give you an example. Probably the top five questions I get is, Pastor Josh, do you drink? Do you drink alcohol? The answer is, publicly, I do not. And the privacy of my home is not your business. Got him. <laughs> Y'all thought you was going to put me on blast, didn't you? Oh, Pastor Josh said he had so-and-so at the Mexican restaurant the other day. All right, listen. I will never let my spiritual liberty drag a spiritual sibling into bondage. On the other hand, don't let your conviction be my condemnation. Just because you're convicted about it. Don't put that on me. Because I walk in freedom. Now, before we get all crazy and say, oh, we turn it up tonight, right? If the Bible, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I want to I give you truth here. If the Bible calls it wrong, we don't touch it. Are we agreed? If the Bible says it will destroy you, we don't touch it. Because I trust my daddy enough. If he tells me it's damaged on the end of it, I don't mess with it at the beginning either. I don't touch it at all. But all too often, somebody finds liberty in something. And then they lose all their wisdom. You can't drop your wisdom ever, baby. Not never is how we used to say that. What does that mean? That, mean, that means if I have a liberty in something, I can step through a door and then step right back out and I'm fine. It don't bother me. But I might be walking with somebody and in my liberty, I step through a door. When I step out, they're stuck. It's called addiction. And my freedom has become someone else's chain. See, I love you too much for that. I love you too much for that. I would never let something I do publicly turn you loose to go put on chains. Nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But at the same time, you can keep the condemnation for yourself. There is therefore no condemnation to them that believe. If the scripture convicts me of it, I'll change. But if it's not in there and that's just your preference, that's what your daddy done it, his daddy done it, you can save the email. First Corinthians chapter 8, there was, there was arguing about eating meat that was uh, sacrificed to God. Let me tell you what will happen. Other gods would demand sacrifice and somebody go take a piece of meat, sacrifice it, say God of Apollos or Moloch or just pick one of the ancient gods. And they would sacrifice this meat on the altar and to keep the operations of the temple going, they would separate the offering and this priest would eat some of the offering then they would sell at the gate of the temple some of what's left. It was equivalent to like... Uh, 
like a Taco Bell carne asada. It was the fast food of its day because they kept it turning. 24 hours a day, they were always burning sacrifices. So if you were in a hurry and you was walking somewhere and you just got hungry, you could swing by and just, you know, grab your little flank steak and just gnaw on it while you're going on your way. And some of the new believers who had just come out of Judaism, mind you, and they remembered the law. I said, wait a second. You touch what is unclean? How can you call yourself a lover of God and you touch what's unclean? And this is what Paul said. You and I know that these idols are of no power. That they are just rocks and wood and dust and clay. They're of no value. Those of us who know. But for those who have yet to learn, let us walk with them. Consider the weaker believer. So this is how I will give this to you as your pastor. Be wise in all things. And if you have to make a decision, make a decision for the weaker believer. Don't do anything to cause an offense, confusion, or bondage. Can I tell you, if that thing is pulling you that hard, maybe you need to think about stepping away from it. Amen? We got clarity on that? All right, come on, let's keep moving. I got to hurry, I got to hurry. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Yeah, we're done with some peer pressure. We don't deal with that either, do we? How about this? I don't care how right you are if you're with the wrong crowd. I don't care how right you are if you're with the wrong crowd. The Bible does not say that words sharpen iron. The Bible does not say that intentions sharpen iron. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron just as one man sharpens another. Show me your people, I'll show you your future. You weren't ready for that, were you? Gotcha. Oh. I know your people. You're pretty good. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You see, there are people you're going to tell you went to church this morning and going to say, why'd you get up early? Why would you do that? Because the scripture is foolishness to those as they're perishing. They don't get it. They don't have the revelation of the life-giving power the scripture has. Right? So they don't understand coming together and studying the Bible the way they do. And that's okay. In time with prayer and you doing the right things and invite them, I promise you the Lord will draw them. Uh, last, as I'm closing, uh, he had a trouble with spiritual endurance. Spiritual endurance or the trying of our faith. At the time, the, the church was losing people. They were losing traction because there was pressure. When they started, it started real strong. And then as the government began to persecute, people began to bail out along the way. My prayer is that your roots are deeper than that. My prayer is that even in the face of persecution that you will endure. 
My prayer is that when everything isn't exactly comfortable, or maybe not even to your liking, that you'll have the spiritual maturity to hang in there. And Paul writes to the people and he says, I've got a prescription. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says, when your faith is tried, here's what I want you to do. I want you to watch. Watch. He says, and while you're watching, stand fast in your faith. Don't move. Don't move. We see this in the Old Testament where David said, I'm going to stand and watch you make footstools out of my enemy. Just stand there. Don't move. Stand fast in the faith. And then be brave. Let not your hearts be troubled. Be strong. And let all you do be done in love. He says there's, there's, there's hard times are going to come. Yes or no, church? When they do, stand on the word. And don't budge. Don't be willing to give an inch. You stand on it. And then you have the braveness, the, 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 the perseverance, the, the stick to itness. That when the, the wind and the waves of life crash on us, you just don't move. Why is it that Paul is always telling us, go back to the scripture? I was studying this week and the Holy Spirit gave this to me. This is beautiful. Why is it that Paul always tells Every, every letter he always writes, he, he reverts back to Scripture. He reverts back to getting closer to God. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The closer you get to the Scripture, the closer you are to God. Now watch this. In Genesis chapter 1, we see all of creation. It's beautiful, beautiful. One of the most beautiful chapters ever written. And it begins to speak about there being this great nothingness and then this thing called the firmament, the sky. And the Bible says that once the firmament was created, then God created light. And he divided the light into two, the sun and the moon, one for day, one for night. Then he created the earth, water, and dust. And he spoke to the water. Joe, watch this. This just blew my mind. He spoke to the water and called out fish. Then he spoke to the dirt and he called out plants. Then he spoke to the forest and called out creatures. But when he called out man, he spoke to himself. Boy, you better watch out. God always spoke to the source of the creation and held it responsible for not just the creation, but the sustainment of the creature. So why are we shocked? When you take a fish out of water, what happens? 
what happens? You go out here, you pluck any tree out of the soil, what happens? You take a person away from the scripture. I said, you take somebody away from their daddy. You take humanity away from God. And you have dislodged them from their source. And so what Paul is doing in every one of his letters, he says, please do not lose your connection to life. Corinth, you are dying. You're over here dancing as close as you can to the world and you're about to disconnect from what God created you to draw from. And I love it because believers today, we turn the news on and we're just mind blown of the condition of the world. Maybe if you disconnect the hose, the water don't run. And you don't want to spend time in church and then you're shocked when your world falls apart. You don't want to invest in the scripture, hide the word in your heart, and you wonder why the enemy goes run shot on you. It's foolishness. Paul always goes back to the scripture. Why? That is the beginning, the middle, and praise God. It is the end of everything you will ever need. Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. He that eateth of me will hunger no more. He says, I am that water that you drink from me. You will never go thirsty. He is our source. And this letter to the church of Corinth is just as apropos for us today. Forsake the desires of the world and pressing on for the mark of the calling of Christ. And this beautiful thing that we find, this life of sanctification, this life of chasing after holiness, this life of trying to be as close to God as we can, yields a beautiful freedom and beauty that I can't even put into words for you today. I told Wendy the other night, and I'm closing. I, I got like three more closings. I told Winnie the other night, I said, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? And she said, what? I said, to not have anything hidden. Isn't it wonderful to live in the light as he is in the light? You see, I haven't always been able to say that because I've had hidden sin. I've had in areas of my life that I didn't relinquish to God. So I had to live part of my life one way and then a hidden part of my life another way. And I was a divided man. And that's a horrible place to be. But now that I've entrusted even the darkest corners of my life to him, man, it's just wonderful. And not to have any secrets. You know what? The, I mean, that's, that by itself is heaven. And maybe you're here and, 
and you don't know what that feels like because you're still harboring something. You still have some desire to fulfill the flesh. Can I tell you, if you will sacrifice that to God, He will give you so much beauty for those ashes. He will give you a joy for that turmoil. He'll give you a peace in exchange for your chaos. And that's all Paul was trying to do is to get them to see that there is a better way. And it's not just better according to some God that, that lived thousands of years ago. No, it's better because he knew what we would deal with today. And he's still alive and breathing through his word and speaking to us through the Holy Scripture saying, if you will yield those parts of your flesh, those carnal desires, those things that so easily beset you, if you will yield those things to me, I will in exchange give you a beauty that on your own you cannot accomplish. So here's how I'm going to finish. If you want to make that decision today, you want me to pray for you? You say, Josh, I'm, man, I'm, I'm tired of living this divided life. I'm, I'm just, man, I'm tired of, of trying to hide this from this person and hide this from that person and then try to hide it all from him. If that's you, man, and what I've spoken today has in any way reached you, I want to pray for you. There is nobody in here that can judge you. Every person in here, every single person in here sins, especially me. I blow it all the time, but his grace is sufficient. So here's one of my hands. Here's what I'm going to ask. If you would, everybody, just every head bowed, every eye closed. I just, want to, I just want to pray for some people. If that's you and you say, Josh, man, today I just feel this tugging on my heart. Like I know I got to get things right. I know I need to change. Man, there's nobody going to be looking around. Nobody's going to judge you. The only reason why I want to see your hand is just so I can pray for you. If that's you and you say, Josh, I'm ready to make a change today. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. This is a moment between you and your heavenly father. Just lift a hand. God bless you. 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 Hands all over the room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. I can't say enough God bless you, but I see your hands. I see your hands. What about over here? God bless you. 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 Anybody else before I pray? I don't want to rush this moment. This is the reason we do what we do. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else before we pray? Okay, you put your hands down. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just rebuke the devil. I rebuke the spirit of fear. And Father, I thank you that it's, it's such a simple road you've asked us to walk. It's a, it's a road of just trusting you. And Lord, for these people that have raised their hands, Lord, they're making that first step to just trusting you today. And what they're trusting you with is they're ugly. They're trusting you with their hurt. 
They're trusting you with their pain. The things they thought they had to hide from you. I thank you, Lord, that it's your loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Now, Lord, the more egregious, the more horrible, the more, Lord, your grace just continues to grow to overwhelm it. And no matter what they're bringing to you, you're bigger and you're greater. And your forgiveness is just as sweet. Matter of fact, your scripture says to them who have been forgiven much, they loveth much. So Father, every hand that was lifted, reveal to them your loving kindness by the Holy Spirit now as I pray. And I pray, Father, you would seal their hearts, Lord, and remind them of the simplicity of the gospel that a man without sin died for men with sin. A man without mistakes died because we had mistakes. And that we can be free today because of that price that was paid. I thank you for that. Everybody in here, if you would just repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, forgive me. I've made mistakes. Help me to move forward. I thank you that you're not judging me. You love me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I receive that sacrifice. I receive that price that was paid for me. Receive me now as your child and I'll receive you as my father. I give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God some praise in here? If you would stand to your feet, I want to bless you before I turn you loose. Listen, if you raised your hand a minute ago, uh, and, and man, you just feel like you just want somebody to pray with you. Our prayer team is going to be right up here across the front. We would love, I mean, it's what we are here for. We would love the opportunity to just pray with you and stand and, and just believe on some things with you and share some scripture with you. If you don't have time, I totally understand it. But I want to tell you something, man. Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And you know what? We do too. And we thank you for coming today. Let me bless you. Father, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Father, bring us back next week with bigger faith. Bring us back next week with more scripture hidden away in our heart. Bring us back next week with a greater testimony of your loving kindness. I thank you, Lord, that you will be our shield and exceeding great reward. I thank you, Lord. Bring us back next week with more wisdom in your word. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. 
We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.